thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, you just saw that, uh, that video. We're starting a new series today, um, and we're calling it uh, Becoming Radiant. Becoming Radiant. And I know we're seven years in, um, and so we're, but we're still in the becoming process. And so here's, here's how this came to me. Um, so on September 18th, it was our seven-year anniversary, and uh, we were, we, it's just a beautiful day because it just so happened that on the Bible app, they do a verse of the day, and it, uh, the verse of that day, which was our exact seven years. So we celebrated the seven-year on a Sunday uh, to, to align with the Sunday of, uh, you know, that aligns in September so we could have a party together, but the actual day was actually a Monday. It was the 18th, and so um, anyway... So my phone just blows up with screenshots of people uh, in our church, but across the country that were like, it's seven years and it's the verse of the day. Those who look to him are radiant with Psalm 34, 5 uh, on that very day, seven years. And so it, I, I, I just, I, first of all, I loved that. That was really fun. But um, I, it also just made me aware of how as a church, we've kind of clung to that verse. It's, it's kind of become a part of our identity. And um, so I want to, uh, I want to add, I want to add a verse today. So I want us to not get rid of Psalm 34, 5. That is it. That's, that's, that's seven years, baby. Uh, but let's, I want to build in this Ephesians 5 text into our church culture as well. So that this Ephesians 5 text, it's really a holiness verse. And so, uh, and so welcome to church, everybody. Uh, uh, so, cause we're going to start, basically it's a holiness series uh, where I want to dig into this Ephesians 5 where it talks about a radiant church, and I'm gonna go there in a minute. It talks about a radiant church, but I wanna talk about some ways that we become distinct, uh, that we become different. So in a dark world, how we live as a radiant light, how we are a radiant church. And so I just figure we can, we can just add it on in and it can become part of our identity, all right? So um, that's where we're gonna go, Ephesians chapter five. I wanna read it again. I know the, the, uh, the video read it, uh, but let me read this. And then we'll pray together. Uh, it says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave, him up, gave himself up for her to make her holy. Say holy. holy. To make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to pr- present her to himself as a, what's that word right there? Radiant. Hey, as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This idea is radiant. So we want to be radiant. We want to shine. We want to be holy. We want to be set apart. And this idea of light, we've used it in, in the kind of the evangelism context. Um, Jesus talks about, let your light shine that people may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We've talked about in the context of Psalm 34, 5, those who look to him are radiant. Their face are never covered with shame, which is, it's a, that's a, for me, that's a grace context. That's a, that's a man, Jesus got, brought me out of the pit and I'm no longer in shame. I love that. I love the, the, the Philippians 2 idea that we shine like stars in a wicked and deprived generation. I love that. And this Ephesians 5 is more on this idea of, of radiant. So to me, this is, 
It's a holiness series, but it's an identity series. It's who God has called us to be as a radiant people, as a people that shine bright uh, in this generation. Father, we love you today. And God, I ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to be radiant. In name, but in deed. In name, but in identity. And Jesus, not uh, elite, not compared to other churches. No, God, as the capital C church across the globe, that the church of Jesus Christ would be holy and radiant, shine bright the good news of the gospel. We thank you for what you're going to do. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's so many different ideas here. Um, and this, this context of without stain or wrinkle, I was just kind of thinking about without blemish. What are some of the blemishes or what are some of the stains? What are some of the ways in the dark culture that a radiant people have to be different? What are some of the ways that it's easy to be because we live in kind of a, a dark place and, and we're called to be a colony of light? What, 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 are the, what are the things that we start to justify as normal, but in reality, Jesus has called us to be radiant. He's called us to be different. And so I'm going to pick on one today uh, that I think is, is a fun one, and I think it's one of the ones that I really dream about marking our church in a unique way, and, uh, and that is uh, to, be, to be a people that celebrate in a culture of cynicism, um, to be a people that radiate light the light of worship, the light of celebrating our God in a culture where the norm is cynicism. It's almost cool to be cynical. And sometimes I feel like even as we get older, sometimes we'll even try to masquerade uh, as wisdom when really it's cynicism. And, and I, I want to invite us to be like a child that celebrates or um, a people that behold God and have true authentic celebration coming out of us. I think it's easy to be cynical in our culture today uh, because of all of our disappointment. And so many times in the culture, we felt let down. But what gets scary is when that sneaks into the church. So in our culture, uh, political promises, it's easy, especially after you've been through countless elections and hopes, to become a little bit hopeless. And because of a political environment, you, you can become cynical. You can become kind of sneering. Or it's easy, I think, with, uh, with advertising. Another ad on Instagram promising you that you take these gummy bears and you'll be skinny. You know, like something, <laughs> I mean, did you see that? Uh, <laughs> maybe it's true. Uh, but, but, but you, you, you kind of get cynical. Like, I don't know that I really believe that. I don't, I'm, I'm kind of tired of, of being promised something and it not delivering um, the constant get rich scheme. Hey, if you'll just do this. So other things in the culture cause there to be a little bit of cynicism, but what gets scary is when that creeps into the church. So you take that same kind of cynical, I've been disappointed, that didn't turn out, and you either place it on God or the people of God. The people of God are often going to fall short. The people of God are going to mistreat you. And I've watched so many people that their eyes are not on God, their eyes are on the, on the people, and so they become disillusioned with God because they've got their, they're beholding people more than they're beholding God. And so, I, but, I, but I want us to look at, kind of go internal and, and, and just do surgery on our own heart on if there's any cynicism on the inside. Why? So that we can come before God and in a place like this, we can celebrate. Uh, in, in a place where you're, where you're even alone by yourself, um, you can celebrate God. 
in a place with your family. Celebrating God is normal. No, 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 David. All we celebrate is sports and academics. Okay, let's add to that. Let's, I'm not saying we substitute it. I'm not, keep, keep cheering for sports. It's big culture right here in Overland Park. Man, we love kids' sports. That's a big deal here. We love kids' academics. That's a big deal here. And here's what I want to invite you to. Bigger than celebrating those things, celebrate God at the center of the home. I want to invite you to a culture of celebration. What what is a family? What do we celebrate? Even more than we celebrate a touchdown. Even more than we celebrate a scholarship. Oh, there's nothing bigger than a kid getting a scholarship to an institution so that they get free. That is the end game of life. Actually, it's not. Actually, there's something bigger than that. Ooh, David, don't say that. No, no, no. I just want to invite you to, to rewire, to rethink, and just ask yourself, what could it look like for me to be a person, a marriage, a family that celebrates Jesus, celebrates God, makes much of celebration. I think, uh, I think we can walk into church and we can slowly take that cultural cynicism and put it into church cynicism. I think you can come up here and you can have a young Jacob Ray and Katie Reed, and they've worked diligently to prepare to lead you in worship. And they've, uh, they're, they're, they're young people that are seeking God. And you've got a reason inside your heart to be cynical towards the worship team. Oh, I'm sure they got a wrong motive. Oh, I'm sure they just learned these songs on Spotify. Ah, this is nothing but one of those radio church. I mean, something, some kind of reason where the people of God are, are being ushered into somebody's got to sing. And, and we've got a reason to be cynical. I want to invite you to enter in a celebration. I want to invite you to be honest with yourself about where have I allowed cynicism to get in? I think we do it with teaching. All of us know you're like, I come here, that guy talks too fast. I don't even know what he's talking about. And there's somebody better on YouTube. Why am I here, right? It's, it's easy to be cynical about that. I think it's easy, easy to be cynical about small groups. Oh, been there, done that, tired of that, no way. People are crazy, bad food in a weird house with weird people, not gonna do it, right? Okay, instead of saying, okay, Jesus has called me to make disciples, um, instead of saying, I'm pouring out my life for the sake of other people, Jesus poured out his life for me on the cross. Now I'm going to do what he did. So I do do things that are difficult for the sake of the fact that I'm pouring out my life like Jesus did. So, so it's actually not just about the people that have a cat and serve weird burritos and I have to go and I don't wanna go to their house. It's actually Jesus you've called. Sorry for the cat people, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. That was my own personal bias. Please forgive me. Um, I am actually willing to go into any house, willing to meet at any coffee shop, meet at a park, whatever, in order to, in order to celebrate, be close to, do what Jesus has called me to do. So I just want to invite you to be, be honest with it. Where have I become cynical? Where have you been become cynical? And, and we want to try to get where we have an innocent, life-giving heart. We're often so cynical around generosity, around tithing, around giving. Somebody somewhere has got a bad motive. I, and so, so, so anger, frustration, cynicism. I know, I know the temptations bleed, but David, I'm justified. I've got a reason in my past as if you're the only one, right? No, you get, you, you, you do, you get around, you get around trying to follow Jesus. Jesus is pretty committed to his church, you know? The same way that he uh, was committed to his church in Acts, right? You, I mean, there, there is a, there, the God, church is a relational thing. So when Jesus here, uh, we're reading where Paul talks about this is a radiant church. He's talking about like a bride. 
It's, it's relational language. So we often so think of church as an institution or a gathering, but think of Jesus' commitment to his bride. Think of a good husband, how relationally committed he is to a bride, right? So the, the temptation is for us to think organizationally or institutional, but the way that Jesus is committed is to, it's, it's bridal, it's relational, it's, it's a commitment to a person. You think about the way that you're committed to your bride or you think about the way that you're committed to your children. They might make some errors or some mistakes, but you're in covenant relationship. So you're committed. Are you, are you guys tracking with me? So I wanna invite you to just be honest with yourself about where, where have I become, the way that the culture is cynical, where, where have I become Christ cynical or church cynical? Where have I allowed cynicism to dominate? Because I believe that one of the things we can be when we gather together, when we are in a small group, when you're alone with God, when you turn on Spotify and it's you and Jesus and you got the music and you got your highlighters and the Bible and you got tears and God's real. <laughs> I believe in each of these environments that you don't have to be that cynical person, but you can be the childlike, innocent, celebrating, life-giving follower of Jesus with authentic joy. So here's the key. Here's, here's how we start to take steps in authentic celebration. It's this. Culture celebrates self. Church, we celebrate Jesus. So the temptation is even when you come to church to actually celebrate self. Mm, better get my coffee hot. Better get the right seat. But if you become a person that celebrates Jesus... So you walk into this environment and it's Psalm 16. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. I'm actually here for Jesus and for the, the people of God. So I'm here for God and I'm here for the people of God. So I'm celebrating God. I'm celebrating the work of God in these people, the cel celebrating the work of God among us. It will be easier for you to step into authentic celebration because it's actually not about you, it's about, it's about God. That's, that's the easiest way to take steps forward. Celebrate self less, celebrate Jesus more. Celebrate me, selfies less, pictures of God more. I don't know what that means, but you know, like I, it's, it's less about me. This is John the Baptist phrase. I must become less, he must become more. You get that idea, John, the one who leapt for joy, right, in the womb. You will find joy as you make less of me, less celebrating me, less Insta stories about all my accomplishments, less about my, less celebration of self, more who is like our God, more I just came to worship. I just want Jesus, I want you in my life. What I think about, what I behold, what I talk about, what I, what I celebrate, what I make a big deal of, what I magnify. Uh, when, when I was growing up in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, junior high, um, I don't remember Christian billboards. I know that up here on I-70, like there's so many wild, like, like you, go, you go west or east on I-70, you see like Jesus billboards. I don't feel like we had that in Oklahoma City. Like I've seen the one with Jesus and the wheat on I-70. Have you seen that one? Yeah, just west of us, like there's, there seems like there's a lot up here. But where I grew up, um, I don't remember many billboards that had Jesus on billboards, but I do remember one. And it just said this, it's, I don't remember the church, but it said celebrate Jesus at, I can't remember the church, um, which is a good thing actually. Uh, but I, I, I think that would be my point to you today, that billboard, celebrate Jesus.
Think if I get anything, if I could get, if, if I could get locked into your heart, a, a renewed vision to celebrate. So what I put on display, what, what I internally and even externally, what I make a big deal of is him. I think it's a step. I think you'll watch cynicism decline. I think worship will increase. I think we see this in Jesus at the baptism moment, Matthew 3, 17. And uh, in his book, John Piper's book, The, the Pleasures of God, he talks about God's, God the Father's delight in his son and his celebration of his son. So when you picture what God is like, when you can see here's God and he's celebrating his son. Here's God the Father celebrating God the Son. So you might, when you picture that, they call it the, the Trinitarian moment. It's the baptism moment where you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God the Father speaks audibly from heaven. The Son is baptized. The Spirit descends like a dove. How you hear God gives you kind of a window into how you view God. So if you, if you, if you can hear the delighted, celebrating, happy, joyful Father, this is my Son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. It will, it, you can see a, a father that celebrates his son and you two can gain this. Okay, I'm a, I, I can, if I can get God as a celebrating God and as a good God, it will, it will unclog your ability to celebrate God. I think when we gather together in the congregation, it's our moment. That's why I even to start the service today, I made the joke, you know, that, hey, what we celebrate in this moment as we celebrate Jesus, as Pastor Nathan leads us in communion, it's, it's bigger than a great feast. It's better than the arts festival on the plaza. It's, it's, it's better than filling Arrowhead and eating nachos and, and seeing Taylor Swift. It's, it, just kidding. It's, it's, it's better. It's, it's better. This is, why, this is why we gather. Are you tracking with me? So, so that's hard because we live in a culture that celebrates so many other things. But as the people of God, it's not foreign. It's not weird. It's, it's not insane to have the people of God actually gather together and possess internal celebration and an external celebration. And a real, woo! Like clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph, right? Like, it, like that really would mark that, that outward expression with an internal reality would actually be an accurate expression of what we should be like. So I'm not trying to kind of whoop us up and you know, try to create some kind of fake passion, but I do want us to have biblical passion. I do want us to read the Psalms or read how Yahweh's covenant people in the wilderness or in exile would actually celebrate God and sing and dance and I think, I think we do well. I think we'll get free of a lot of lesser evils and sins if we can start to actually just start to celebrate Jesus. Make a big deal of, magnify, celebrate, have joy because of, have joy in honor of. So celebration is actually God's idea. I know that we think, no, oh, let's see, we're at Super Bowl 50-something, like celebrations began 50-something years ago, right? Like that's when it all began. Or, or maybe uh, we'll, we'll, celebrations began, you pick, you know, uh, when we love sports or music or whatever. But if you want to look at this idea of celebration, this is God's idea. It's not like 
Church is the, the lame party. And then the real cool party is what the culture offers. No, we, when, we, when we read what God is like, he invites his people into a celebration. Let me give you just a few. Exodus 23 reads like this. Three times a year, here, speaking to Israel. Three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. Verse 15, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. Here we go. For seven days, uh, eat bread made without yeast, as I command you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv. For in, the, in, in that month, you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Verse 16, celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops. And so you sow in your feed. And so, it, sorry, you sow in your field. That's a fun one. We'll do that another, that's another Sunday. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year. When you gather in your crops from the field, three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. There's actually, when we read uh, the scriptures, there's seven different feasts Seven different feasts that the Israelites would come together and celebrate. It was a form of celebration and partying. So if these people are in exile in Babylon and they're celebrating, they're known for being a, a feasting, celebrating people. If they're in the wilderness, they're known for being a, a feasting and a celebrating people. This is a part of what the people of God are like. So I just want to invite you that Yahweh's the center of their celebration or God's the center of their celebration. They're, they're, they're celebrating people. And the church, the church that I'm dreaming about celebrates. The, the, the church that I'm dreaming about, is, it's, it's a celebrating people. And I think, I'm just gonna say this, I think that culturally, um, we tend to say, well, I'm, I am too um, prestigious. I'm too smart to be the dancing person or the celebratory person. Um, and I think that, I think that we do harm when we think that way. I think if you'll read the scriptures, and I'm not, I'm not asking you to pretend. I'm not, I'm not fighting for an external behavior here. I am talking about what's in your heart. And Renat and I are very different, right? The way that I celebrate, woo, I'll do jumping jacks on the front row. I'll tell you everything I'm thinking, right? Renata, she'll smile big. I'll say 50,000 words. She'll say 50. We'll say the same thing, but differently, right? Like, like we're different, okay? So I'm not, I know that we're all different. But we, but we both enter into a celebration like this in our hearts, delighted, seeking God, putting Jesus at the center. And on a Sunday where we celebrate Jesus. So we're all, we always wanna be the people that celebrate God first. So we put God the first of our day, put God first, first day of the week, we celebrate. He is risen indeed. We celebrate with our dollars, give God our first and our best. We're all, we wanna be a people that celebrate God, we're celebrating him. God, you're awesome. And I think it's easy for you and I to create our cultural categories where we say, it is less cool or less educated or less prestigious people that do that. And because I have this amount of education or this amount of wealth or this amount of influence, I'm, I'm a little bit different. Hold on. I wanna invite you to just read the word of God and not make your decision based on the cultural norms, but based upon what you see in the scriptures. I just wanna invite you just, what does it look like for me? What does it look like for me to have a heart full of gratitude? Renata can enter in and, uh, and she can be celebrating 
and she's not doing jumping jacks. I got in trouble when I was 25 at the church where I was at because every Sunday morning I was working, I was bachelor's degree working on my master's, but I was doing jumping jacks on the front row. No joke, jumping in worship. And the pastor was like, I think I like jumping jacks. Can you just explain it to me? You know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit obsessive. It seems a little, a little extra celebratory, right? I got Will Riddle right here, masters of divinity, jumping up and down. Gordon Conwell, right? He's, he's educated man of God, but he's up here celebrating. I'm not aiming at external behavior. I want you to hear me when I say that. I am aiming at your thoughts, your affections, whatever it is, eyes fixed on. I've come to celebrate God. More than I've come to, to just come and, and do a behavior, I've got my heart, my eyes fixed on him. And I think that, I think that people celebrating God will often be mocked. And, and, and that's one of the things we don't like because nobody wants to be mocked. But it is actually part of what happens with the people of God as we celebrate and make a big deal with our time, our expression, our thoughts, our dollars, our talents, our first fruits. Culture always says that's weird. Always says that's too much. Calm down, chill out. Uh, famous story of celebration on this one is 2 Samuel 6. Just gonna read it quickly highlight it. When David returned home to bless his house, this is David dancing, present the Lord, art coming into the city. Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. She's sarcastic here. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his, of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father, dig, uh, or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's the Lord's people, Israel. And I love this phrase. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Whew, yeah, I heard that one. Whoa, yeah, whoa. Okay, so she comes. She gives the motive of why she thinks David is dancing in the presence of God. She gives her accusation, I'm calling it a little bit of cynicism. I'm calling it, yeah, attack. This is, this is common. So this exists in our culture today. Why would you go to church on a Sunday? What? You're gonna, be some, you're gonna open up your home for a small group? What? You're gonna give? What? You're gonna give your talents? You got up and you did portable church 4.30 a.m., Jerry Casey, that's crazy. Like, are you with me? Like, the, you, you could do what? There's gonna be attack of motive. It's just normal. You're gonna, you're gonna make, celebrate, make a big deal of God. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was in the fifth grade, um, my, uh, my grandmother uh, got remarried after my grandfather died. And so um, my, grand, my grandfather was a preacher and then he died and my grandmother got remarried and she married a preacher. So it was her second preacher, right? And so um, not many people get to like perform at their grandmother's wedding, but I did. And so um, I know that sounds weird, but it's true. So, uh, so I, I remember the wedding really well. I know it's weird, but I remember December 3rd, 1988, like we're there. And, uh, and, and, and so I have this new grandpa and my, my new grandpa shows up to our church. Um, my dad uh, is the pastor and... I just have this memory of the first time I see him in church, we're singing songs and he raised his hand like that. And I remember talking to my fifth grade friends where suddenly I wanted to disown him. 
Like I was like, he, that is so weird. Like, I mean, I've never, what? I, I mean, it was like at the cross, at the cross. And he, and he held up his hand. And here's what I want you to see. Foreign to me, cynicism in the heart, disowning uh, in the heart. Now I never did, did it. I didn't walk up to him and be like, you're weird, right? But, but, but to my fifth grade friends, I was like, oh, oh, she married him, you know, like it's grandma, you know, like, <laughs> all right. Okay, but here, this is, this is, this, this is going to be you too. This is what people do. And, and I'm not talking mostly about how you raise your hands or if you dance or if you, you don't have to dance like Will or you, know, you don't have to kick your leg up like Jacob. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about where you make, a, I come before God and I celebrate on the first day. We as a family, we're gonna celebrate God. We as a family, we're gonna worship or, or pick your way. Or yes, we do put Jesus before sports. <gasps> no. But in this culture, that's a little overboard. That's a, what you're going to put celebrating in the congregation with the people of God above the nine year old soccer ball tournament. Weird. Yes, I am. You know that the God of the universe created that nine year old. Do you know that for a billion years, we're going to stand before him and we're going to go, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Do you know that this soccer is fleeting, but Jesus lasts forever? I'm actually not, you don't say this, I'm not the weird one. Here's what's strange. Not going to celebrate with the people of God. The one who rescued us, transformed us, empowers us. I mean, we've got the God of the ages working on the inside. Of course, I'm ready to be weird. Let's go. And you pick the application. People get so upset with me when I pick the application. And they're like, that's what he really cares about. No, it's not. I just need something to say, right? Like, you pick the application. I'm not picking on soccer, all right? I, I'm just, I want to, but I am going at the motive. I'm going at the heart. I'm going at the value system. So just get ready. Get ready to be culturally rejected. And people think, that's so weird. But I just want to tell you, you could, you could say that the culture does some strange things that you're, you're not going to do. Like, I took my boys to the NFL draft, right? Kansas City, big party. The culture loves to party. The culture loves to celebrate, right? I went, I loved it. I celebrated. What's up? Like, and, and I remember having this moment as I worked diligently to get there, uh, traffic jam. Uh, most people are not all there around me. Um, and I'm wearing a jersey, so I've got, I've got, the, I've got the colors. I've got, I, I've, 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 I'm give to, I gave up the evening. And it dawns on me like, what am I celebrating here? And I realize I'm celebrating college kid that is going to make money at this pigskin game that is like, like in, in reality, it's not a, that big of a deal, but we are wired to celebrate. The culture loves to celebrate. We've talked about Travis Kelsey at our home all week long, right? <laughs> like my, my daughters didn't even know what a tight end is, but now they know who's number one, right? It's, it's the culture loves to celebrate something. You're wired to celebrate. Yes. God's put it inside of you. There's a desire to worship and to celebrate. I want to invite you. I am not saying, uh, David, 
is not saying you can't have these other hobbies and other, I'm not, I'm not, I'm talking about priority. I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm picking on soccer and sports today. That's because I love sports actually. So it's nothing I like to talk about. <laughs> if, if someone else over here, they talk about the stock market. Nathan, will, you talk about the stock market next time, Nathan, right? Like we talk about those. I, I, I'm just talking about putting God first. This is what, this is what we love to celebrate. This is what we, this is what we want to do. So I want to invite you and step into that. What does it look like? What does it look like for me? I'm wired to celebrate. I'm wired. Celebrate. I want to celebrate God. I want to make much of him. And I will say this, celebration, it, it requires discipline. There's a great book uh, Richard Foster wrote, and it's celebration of discipline. I'm going to make my point number three. I'm going to flip it. It's celebration requires discipline. It takes, I, I want to invite you to have a premeditated thought life. What am I going to celebrate? What am I going to shout about? What am I going to sing about? What's going to be a big deal to me? And what, what, what am I going to celebrate in my marriage? What am I going to celebrate in my family? What am I going to celebrate with my finances? What am I going to celebrate uh, with my daily schedule, with my weekly schedule, with my time, my talent, my, my treasure? What, what, what takes up celebratory expression, celebratory real estate in my affections and in my behaviors? And I'm just saying, I think that to celebrate God well and not become, slowly become cynical, slowly become, I think if you'll get this celebration thing in these areas of your life, you become the childlike, I'll use the word radiant, but innocent, life-giving person. That's a, that's a delight. And if you'll, if you'll rearrange these celebrations, what, what you celebrate, I think you'll be surprised where cynicism fades and celebration has the opportunity to come out around kingdom things rather than cultural things. Now, we're called to be a light in the culture. So we want to be people that are in it. We just have a different value system. We're actually called to be people that in the midst of a culture, and we, we embrace it. We, we embrace being in it. We don't go sit in a circle and not, no, we go into the businesses. We go into Arrowhead. There you go. We go into, we go into the soccer fields. We go, we go to these places. So we go into dark places, but we're a colony of light. We're a radiant people. We're, we're, we're shining bright. We shine like stars in a wicked and depraved generation. And how, what does that mean? Do I glow physically? No. No, what, what, what I worship, what I celebrate, what I value, what, what, what's going on in here. This, so that's what I'm aiming at. And if you will think through it, like Renata and I will take time and we have, uh, we have like dates that we'll call, okay, this is a romantic date. Our, our goal is each other, but we'll have other dates where it's planning, right? It's a planning date. And we'll say, okay, in, in terms of our marriage, our time, our finances, our family, how do we make much of God? What does it look like for you and me? How, how do we do this with our children? How do we do family where Jesus is at the center? How do, we, how do we celebrate the right things? How is it that we celebrate baptism more than money? Oh, that's weird. No, how is it that we celebrate salvation more than athletics? How is it? How are we gonna do it? What does it look like? I'm not giving you the plan. I wanna invite you to, to the value where you start to 
okay, this is what it looks like for us. We are the Smiths. We are uh, the Jones. We are the Johnsons. We are the Rogers. This is how this looks like for us, how we celebrate. So we're the people. We gather together and we are. We sing on a Sunday. Or we are the people that we, um, we, we this is how we get the word of God alive inside our hearts. And what I'm trying to say is that it takes, it takes a plan. It takes discipline. It takes thinking through it, remembering Jesus. I want to remember Jesus through my week. I want to remember Jesus in my day. How can I work on it? Psalm 105, remember the wonders he has done. All right, I want to remember that you saved me. You rescued me. I want to remember my, my baptism moment where I went, public with my faith. I want to remember the time that you healed my dad. And I want to, I want to remember the way that, so, so like with our family, we've got some normal dates, right? That everybody celebrates that are normal Christian holidays, but we've got some of our own. Oh, I'm not adding to the church calendar. I'm just, but we got some on the family calendar where we're celebrating. We've got one where February 25th, where we felt like the Lord was calling us to just start a prayer meeting in our house, move across, move across, move 10 hours east and start a church. So we have, we have a night where we pulled into town on February 25th, 2016. And on that night, Renata's twin brother bought us Jack Stack. So welcome to town, new little apartment, 143rd Metcalf. And we were like, whoo, no, we had, we had no furniture. All we had was sleeping bags and Jack Stack. Welcome to Kansas City, everybody. And so so we had, we had sleeping bags and Jack, and it, for us, it was a step of faith. It was, it was we're, we're gonna, whew, whew, sorry. So every February 25th, <clears throat> we've been getting barbecue ever since, right? We started Jack's deck, we moved to Joe's, a little cheaper, right? But, <laughs> but every February 25th, we're gonna celebrate. Look what the Lord has done. Look what God, God at work. Every December 10th, I'm celebrating December 10th, 2020. Uh, my dad went from deathbed to breath in his lungs. Little Lazarus come forth. You know, like, it's only been three years of party time, but that's a new day for me. So, so what you can do is you can say, okay, what is my, what is, what is my redemptive calendar? What are the ways I can celebrate what Jesus has done? What are some ways I can Look at my life. Look at my marriage. Oh, this was the day you and I, we were fighting and struggling. And man, then Jesus did a work in our marriage. And we've been three years doing awesome. Do you remember the day? You know where it happened? It happened that time we cried in the park and we said, ah, God help us. And we've been celebrating that day at that park with roses ever since. Uh, you remember our, 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 child was a, our child was a prodigal. And then you remember what God did? We prayed, we gathered, I mean, we gathered on Wednesday nights with the family of God. We said, God, bring in the prodigals. And then he hit rock bottom. And in his brokenness, he showed up at our doorstep and it's been seven years, but we never forget. Let's celebrate. Look what the Lord has done. I'm just inviting you to a lens, a lens where you celebrate God, a lens where you celebrate what God has done. What has God done in me? What has God done in my family? What has God done in our church? What is God doing in our city? What is God doing in the nations? What is, I want to, we would celebrate God at work. I'm not saying that you pull back and you're not in the culture anymore. No, we're, we're fully in it. But here's what takes up celebration in my heart. So there's moments that in our 
kind of redemptive calendar in our family. Like there's songs that, there's songs that mean something on Spotify to lots of other people, but it's personal to me because it's the song that we sang when there's the moment that we, we, we closed on the building. I, I took my kids into the parking lot, catered in McLean's because that is now the anointed food for our family. We got McLean's and we, we, we danced. And people say, it's weird. I know it's weird. It is weird. But God at work. And I, and I sing at the top of my lungs. I have lived in the goodness of God. You're going to celebrate something. There's going to be something alive inside of you. Don't let a lesser celebration replace. I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart to his courts with praise. Come, sing, dance, celebrate. This is who my God is. Let's stand together. Every time that you go to celebrate, it's going to take intentionality. It's going to take some work. I want to invite you to do the discipline ahead of time. Think through it because it's worth it. This week, I had a fun moment. My younger brother, a little bit taller, a little bit younger, a little more hair than I have, flew in. We surprised my mom. She, uh, my mom, she's on the front row. She's, her birthday's tomorrow, everybody. 75. Did I say that? Sorry about that. Oh, 33, 33, 33, 33, 33. Sorry. It's 33 tomorrow. And uh, we surprised her. Surprised. Just the six of us had a meal together. It was awesome. It's awesome. We celebrate her. It had been, it had been since the 90s, since the six of us had, had dinner together. And uh, so we just celebrated with, together. I was just thinking to do that, um, took a little, little money, little time, little planning, and yet her tears, her joy, worth it worth a lot more. Celebration. Every time that you go, I'm going to celebrate Yahweh. I'm going to celebrate Jesus died for me, rose from the dead, coming back for me. He's my savior. He rescued me. I was a mess. He's transforming me. I'm no longer addicted to what I used to be addicted to. I no longer hate the people I used to hate. He's empowered me. I got, the, I got the supernatural power of God working on the inside to give my time, my talent, my treasure to be a radiant bride. Shine bright in a wicked and depraved generation. I'm a, I'm a radiant bride. Every time you take time, the discipline of how do I remember Jesus? How do I celebrate Jesus? It, it takes a little work, but I picture, I watched my mom tears in the moment 
where she was celebrated. And I picture every time that you come before him and you're just this kid, I just wanna celebrate you. I'm just so grateful. Mom, you didn't have to, but you did. 81 hours of labor for triplets, you suffered enough for me, right? Thank you. You didn't have to forego your career. You didn't have to do some of the things you did for me, but you did, and I can't thank you enough. Tears in her eyes. I just think that every time that you say, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he went to a cross, Hebrews 12. You went to the cross for me. So I plan out my life. How do I celebrate? How do I, today, today I give you my first and my best. As I start a new week, I give you my first and my best. As I start a new month, I give my first and my best. 21 days of prayer, it's a new season, it's a new fall, it's a new year. I'm gonna give you my first and my best. I wanna celebrate God. You can have it all. Jesus, we come before you today and we wanna be an authentic church. Not perfect, but we wanna be radiant. We still got some, <laughs> got some spots and some wrinkles, but you're working on us. We want to be more like you. We want to love you. We want to be close to you. We want to gather in the congregation and celebrate. Look what the Lord has done. Look who our God is. We want you to have our first and our best, our allegiance, our affections. Celebrate you today. If you're in the room today and you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to lead you in a brief prayer. It's the best choice that you could ever make, and it's the one that we here at Radiant Church have said and agreed on that unites us. It's Jesus that unites us, so it's not this building that unites us. It's not, a, it's not our bylaws, it's not our trustees, or our overseers, it's Christ that unites us. Today, if you say, I, I, I want to follow Jesus, I want to invite you. You can say yes to him, and he has created a way. He went to a cross, died in your place for your sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a gift he wants to give you. Salvation comes from him. Today, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you want him to save you, I want to invite you to begin that journey by praying this prayer. Jesus, save me. Rescue me. Be the Lord of my life. I want to be with you forever. I give you everything. Take it. Change me. Transform me. Do a work inside of me that's supernatural. I give you everything. In Jesus' name. And everybody celebrated Jesus together. I don't invite our ushers to come forward. We're gonna conclude by taking up our offering and worship team's gonna lead us in one more song. It's gonna be a good one. I can feel it. It's gonna be a good one. Let's pray over it together. Hey, if you made that decision today to follow Jesus, we wanna go on the journey with you. We have a Bible up here. You can go to the place that says new here right in there. You can go to our website. We'd love to connect with you relationally. Love to give you resources. It's the best choice that you could ever make. And we wanna go on the journey with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Lord God, your favor, your blessing, your strength on this house. Father, we thank you for the good gifts. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for every child, teenager, young adult, every man, every woman. Father, I ask in Jesus' name for the blessing and the favor of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them completely. God, I pray as they go back into jobs, environments, education, school, on the freeways, traveling in airports and airplanes. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a radiant people this week. I pray that we would become radiant, shine bright the good news of Jesus. God, would you feel work in us. Now take what we give, use it. God, we pray a blessing, Lord God, as we step into this new building. God, we ask, Lord God, October 9th, we pray for that meeting. God, we pray that the renovations would go well. Do it, God, under cost. God, give us the funds that we need. God, be at work. God, thank you for this house. God, we wanna, we wanna renovate it and make it everything that you want it to be, God. We wanna give our best to you. We give cheerfully, we give gladly.